0: Welcome everyone to flyover footy my name is matt baker joined as always with santiago beltran and we are in off-season mode here on flyover but we have some news this week to cover so we're taking a, a break from our break to get to looking at that we've got city end of season roster decisions made today wednesday november 29th that we're recording this santi how you going and how's the off-season treating you
1: hey doing great matt i've been uh out of town the last few days, so. Uh... Little disconnected with what's going on, but uh, I so happened to see the news today, and we were thinking, Hey, it's probably gonna be like late like Thursday or maybe Friday, so no pod this week. But obviously, with the announcement, we had to uh change our plans and uh do a podcast tonight on a
0: Wednesday. We're recording, it's it's different from our usual Thursday, it's earlier than we were going to do. I think we were planning on. Uh, doing one or two between Christmas. But what? why not? You know, it, it's a perfect time to talk about this. And and for better or for worse, I feel like it was pretty close to exactly what we expected. But there is a little bit of news we can talk about before we get to season roster decisions. Some good news. MLS announced their best 11 of the 2023 season. Roman Berkey, Tim Parker representing St. Louis City. We're one of Four teams, I believe, along with uh, Atlanta, Nashville, and FC Cincinnati to have more than one player. So an amazing accomplishment for a team in their first season. Berkey and Parker, captains, all-stars. Berkey won, obviously, goalkeeper of the year. Parker was a, a finalist for the defender of the year. So both amazing accolades for those two players. And it's awesome to have City represented so early and so heavily on the MLS Best 11 for the season.
1: Yeah, I love it. It's uh, like another accomplishment by the club, uh, having two players on the best 11. Like Berkey, for me, expected just because he was the goalkeeper of the year. Um, Even though Parker was in in the last three for defender of the year, I wasn't sure if he was going to make it, but uh, it's been a great year for him. Um, He has done great things in in St. Louis. It's like his career has... um, taken uh, like a resurgence and uh, he's like a, a new player. So
0: I love that. And you hope that it carries over to next season. I mean, his mentorship, his leadership along with Berkey and the experience that both of them brought has done wonders for city in developing their players. So as we kind of look to the roster decisions that city made, you hope that both of these players and, and some of the others who are newer to city, but maybe have some experience will continue that mentorship and with any new player that we choose to sign. So with that, kind of segue Santi let's spend the the rest of our pod looking at these end of season roster decisions the press release city put out today let's start with that Saint Louis City SC has announced their end of season moves the club has exercised the options of eight players meaning they've picked up the club options which let's let's level set most MLS contracts like we talked about on our previous episode have an option that the club can choose to to pick up or decline at the end of their contract so most most contracts are standard with an option year for the club at the end. The club exercised the options of Sam Adeneron, AZ Jackson, Celio Pompeu, Jared Stroud, Akil Watts, Lucas Bartlett, Anthony Marcanic, and Josh Yarrow. All of the players that we really expected them to pick up the option for. No real, no real shockers there, and, and guys that we talked about like Salio, like a coming up from City Two, proving themselves this year and and really earning the opportunity for next year. What do you think about these players that we decided to pick up the option for?
1: Yeah, I think uh, for the most part is is what we what we expected. Um, it's great to see guys like Akil Watts and Salio Pompeu uh, get rewarded. Uh, last year they were with City Two. They were signed to uh, MLS contracts this year and, and they perform when, when they got a, a chance to, uh, to play. So um, I really like that. Uh, I know on our last episode, we weren't sure about uh, Joe Jaros uh, contract situation, but now we, we know there was a club option that was picked up, which is also great. Uh, I'm happy to see him, um, coming back for another year he uh it's one of those players that had to wait a long time to uh to get some significant minutes and and he took advantage of those when he got them and and he was able to, to get a few stars even started in playoffs so uh, so it's great to see that and and yeah some some guys um that didn't get their option picked up or were out of, were out of contract um I just go back to uh, what Jake Narwinski said uh, on the end of the year media availability. Like, yeah, this is a great group, but uh, we know that this is a business and some guys uh, will not be back. And and yeah, like uh, if the club is going to uh, look for other players to fill some positions, he has to uh, release some of those roster spots because we know those are not unlimited. Like... uh, our That's
0: right. And one of the things I find interesting about this whole process is as a first year club, we're getting to see a little bit of how the sausage is made from the from the business side of things. And and we can kind of glean some information out of this. So for instance, we know going forward that it's, it's pretty, I guess, uh standard, or we can expect that whenever teams announce contracts and lengths of contracts, they're going to come with a club option at the end. That seems a pretty standard thing in MLS. And I even fact saw a tweet that somebody put out that was really from the players' perspective. It, it, it's we think of this as the clubs. It's great that they have this option to to keep a player or to let them go. But from a player's perspective, it seems kind of harsh. And it's one of those things for MLS that you you wonder how much the players' association is going to push for changes to this at some point because you look at a guy like let's say Michael Creek, where he's he's not knowing what his status is going to be for next year. He doesn't know if maybe he should pick up the lease on an apartment if he has one, or he doesn't know where the family might be living after this year because he doesn't know if he's going to stay in St. Louis or not. You wonder how early the club communicated to the players because it really does seem like kind of a a, a tough situation to be in if you're a player.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, from that side, yes, but at the same time, it gives you a little bit of, Well, it's uncertainty and maybe certainty at the same time because you know, okay, if I perform well, um, I will have a chance to stay one more year. But yeah, it's too difficult to to plan uh, for different things uh, if you don't know where you're going to be at the beginning of the following year and you have to wait for so long. But as you said, maybe uh, these things are communicated a little bit earlier um, and the players can plan for that. But, but yeah, uh, just looking at the players that uh, didn't get their options picked up or that were out of contract,
0: um, all of those make some kind of sense. Yeah. And, and so coming into this, we obviously have it that St. Louis had 17 players under contract. Uh, they had the, the most of the team was under contract for the 2024 season. We added Tyson Pierce as a homegrown player. So he's the one pickup that we've had so far that wasn't on the team in 2023. We add these eight players. And so what, sorry, let me backtrack. We had 19 coming into this with the two players on loan. So we're up to 27 total. And we're going to get to that towards the end. But there were five players that we decided to let go in one way, shape or form. Two of those players had their contract options declined, Max Schneider, Michael Creek. Johnny Nelson was out of contract, and he's a free agent now. After his years of service and his age, he met the requirements. He Like we, we speculated, Johnny Nelson is the only player to, to qualify for free agency, and our good friend Tom Bogert clarified that uh, it was uh, just misspoken by City and that Johnny Nelson is a candidate for free agency. Whereas Johnny John Bell is out of contract and available in the year end waiver draft. So anybody who listened to our last episode knows that the waiver draft is essentially the step down from free agency where players who haven't met the years of service and the age requirements to be free agents in MLS, they qualify for the waiver draft, which is two rounds that will occur in the re-entry. So he will be available for clubs to select. Otherwise St. Louis basically still holds his rights and, and, we'll have that going forward for John Bell. The last one, which we, I mean, writing on the wall in this one, but it's one of those unfortunate things that we'll cover a little bit more later, but MLS super draft pick Owen O'Malley was waived. This, this, we, we all saw coming, we speculated on it, but this along with the other four, like you said, no real surprises here, right? I mean, each one of them has their own nuance or specific scenario that they're going through, but none of these are really shockers. Are they? No, uh,
1: maybe out of that group, maybe Michael Creek, um, and I know we're gonna talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. him uh, once we start going into the details for each player. But um, it just um, to me it was unexpected, just because he had been um, the third option for for a goalkeeper. So it would be interesting uh, what direction the close the club goes. Uh, mm-hmm. Do they want a more experienced uh, goalkeeper or Maybe they want to start developing
0: the goalkeeper of the future. Very good points. Let's start it with Johnny Nelson because, Santi, I, I guess this could be one of those things that we we try to do regularly every single year as far as how we look at this. But uh, if, if anybody follows STL Soccer Tracker on Twitter, they know that St. Louis loves their players, not just the players who are currently playing for us, in one way, shape, or form, but players who have played and move on to other ventures. Uh, God bless Brian Simpson for running that and trying to keep track of this going forward. But we're going to give each one of these players their due. It's the first time we've had players for City play and depart. So we want to recognize each one of them for what their contributions, what their performances were this year and before for, some of the, for Michael Creek in particular, Max Schneider as well and and wish them well going forward so looking at each one of these players and what we're basically losing that they brought to us this past year starting with johnny nelson he was selected fourth by st louis city in their 2022 expansion draft he started the 2023 season as City's starting left back he beat out selmer pedro in the preseason it was it was one of those where we didn't we assumed pedro would start nelson surprised us and he kept it going he appeared in 18 total matches for City, starting 15 of them in all competitions. One of them being a League's Cup match against the Columbus Crew. He had one official assist on the season, but I recall multiple balls going off of the other players and his services. To Klaus. Yeah, you know, he he should have had uh, meaningfully. He had more than one assist, but one official assist. Um, Nelson's last start and appearance for City in MLS play came on July 12th in a 3-0 midweek loss to LAFC. Before that, he wasn't really a regular starter ever since losing his spot to Kyle Hebert, converted center back, back on May 20th against Sporting KC. So Nelson starts the year. He, he's a part of that historic five wins to start the year. Klaus goes down against Colorado. A couple games later, Nelson is replaced as left back. And things just never really look back for, for St. Louis as far as the left back position. And, he, and Nelson really never found his way back into that starting 11 regularly.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how how quickly things can can change. Uh, Like, yeah, he was part of that historic five win uh, start and he was a regular starter. And then he he had that red card against Chicago Fire. uh, And then the following game was that game against Sporting KC that um, I I don't remember exactly. Uh, how we looked at it, but I think we were thinking, okay, this is probably going to be a, a star for Pedro, mm-hmm. and then um, Kyle Hebert starts, and then he he took uh, the job uh, from there until uh, the arrival of Anthony Markanic. But uh, it's just like a uh, like a lot of things like like happening. Like he got the red card, and I think at that point, like he he had started to maybe not being the same um defender that he was at the beginning of the season so um and then Kyle he performed well against Sporting KC and and took the job and that was kind of of the end uh, for Nelson then Anthony Markanik came so I think the the writing on the wall was was
0: there yeah when Lutz was honest about Markanik coming in as a, a design backup at a left-back position, and you had Hebert had, having started a, a few months by that point, it was pretty clear that Nelson had lost his spot on the depth chart, and Pedro was just nowhere to be seen. But it, the red card's an interesting call-out, because I honestly had forgotten about that, but it, it paints a little bit of a narrative. I was more thinking about it from the perspective of tactics, where Kyle Hebert, much more defensive-minded, you need to shore up that spot, you can't give up the space and the, and the opportunities on our left side, and then just at that point, we had been without Klaus for a few games. We were just trying to get back into a rhythm, trying to get back into our winning ways. And it was the same scenario that we eventually saw multiple places in the roster where you give a guy a chance in a position, the team wins with him, and you don't change it. And and I think Nelson, to me, I was always viewing him as just a victim of the, that kind of a circumstance where he didn't really do anything overly bad, red card notwithstanding, to warrant just being benched it's just circumstances of we went a different direction and it started working. And so then you eventually go to pulling in Markanic, And when you pull in Markannic and you bring him in, there was pretty, pretty clearly something going on that long term you didn't really see a spot for Nelson. And now we have it confirmed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, when he started at the beginning of the season, he, he did well. And as you said, at one official assist, but he, uh, participated in our goals, So uh, but, yeah, it's just one of those things. Um, it's a business, and now he's a, a free agent. Uh, we, we joke around with uh, our only free free agent. Uh, I'm sure another team uh, will pick him up.
0: One thing has to be said, though, is regardless of how his tenure with City ended up and the fact that he didn't see any, any starts or match times since Leagues Cup and MLS play since July 12th, Nelson was a part of that historic five five wins to start the season. Mm-hmm. And, and we've talked multiple times about how if it wasn't for that start, the season would have looked vastly different in a lot of ways. Could be, could have definitely impacted uh, playoff, just the, the possibility of being in the playoffs, definitely wouldn't have ended first in the West. So the contributions to Nelson and how we look back on his time with City really, I, to me, are viewed in a, a much more positive light than we probably are right now, just because of what he mm-hmm. did to start us off. And, and the things that nobody's going to be forgetting about how this season started. Nelson was a huge part of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was a big contributor uh, during that uh, initial stretch of 10, 15 games. Uh, but yeah, just um, as I said, things can change quickly in, in soccer. And the way the team was playing with when Kyle Huber uh, replaced Nelson, they won a few games in a row. And, and that was the end of it for Nelson.
0: Pivoting to his expansion draft, mate, selected third by City in the 2022 expansion draft was John Bell. This one was confounding throughout the season. This, this was one that we never really understood the, the logic or the thought process for, for huge portions of the season. Like, we thought something might have been going on. We found out eventually that there had been injuries picked up. So, you know, we talked earlier in the season. Bell had an injury coming into the season that he picked up. Uh, he he had some uh I call it an injury. Remember the (laughs) The frostbite frostbite on his foot and the cryo chamber? (laughs) That was unfortunate and just bizarre. But Bell's one of those players who never really cracked through in any meaningful way. He appeared in only three matches for St. Louis, two of them against the aforementioned LAFC in that 3-0 loss, as well as a starting as Minnesota United late in the year, September 23rd, a 2-1 away victory that... I mean, that was a, that was just a fun match to see St. Louis pull one out, and Bell was a huge part of that. His first match day roster, though, didn't come until two months into the season. So injury, mm. we signed Lucas Bartlett, we saw the depth chart start to play out. Bell didn't make the game day roster until two months into the season. It was a 1-1 draw against Colorado. We just talked about the Klaus game where he was injured. And he didn't appear in the match, but that was the first time he was on the roster. If that didn't tell us enough, he, that he didn't make the starting 11 in an early U.S. Open Cup rotated lineup against Union Omaha. That was the shocker to me early in the season yeah. where we really saw the depth chart play out where you're looking at Lucas Bartlett, Josh Yarrow, Kyle Hebert being well ahead of Bell in the in the, the depth chart, whether it's injury related or not. Bell did eventually make an appearance in that game uh, for the, in the U.S. Open Cup, and then he made some appearances for City, too. He made four appearances and starts going the full 90 in all four between April 30th and June 14th. And then minus that appearance against Minnesota, he really didn't feature in much at that point. So Bell being given a uh, declining an o- option there, being given uh, his opportunity to go to waivers. What do you think about the, I guess the impact John Bell had the, just the ups and downs throughout the season and How do you, how do you view John Bell in our inaugural year?
1: Yeah. So, um, obviously, um, he is one of those situations. Like you, he couldn't get a break. Like he, he started the year, um, recovering from injury and, um, like every time he was, uh, like progressing, uh, with his recovery, like something else happened and. Then at the same time, um, Lucas Barlett was also signed at the beginning of the season. And it's another player that when he got his chances, he performed well and basically moved him down uh, on the depth chart. And um, yeah, he just didn't get a lot of chances. But I'm going to say when, when he had chances to play that LAFC match, uh, also uh, against Minnesota, he, he looked good. Uh, I, I like what I saw from him. Um, so hopefully he, he'll find a, a place. But I, I think it's just unfortunate how uh, the season started for him and then all the circumstances around it and all players players um, doing well. Um, he just couldn't uh, break the, the, the,
0: the starting lineup too much. And when you look at the fact that he couldn't break through, you, you don't look to it as anything necessarily wrong with John Bell to me. It's more so the quality that was on display for St. Louis City we had some great center back depth all year long and it was three, maybe even four deep at at certain times in the year, especially with Joachim Nilsson coming back and what that, what that really provided for. We even saw Lucas Bartlett see some time with city too at the, towards the end of the year, because certain players getting pushed down the depth chart. And so we're going to talk later about the left back position, but when you, when you see all of our center backs that we still have on the roster, there had to have been an odd man out. We were speculating, Mm -hmm. is it going to be Bartlett? Is it going to be bell? Because it's, it should clearly be one of those two, at least from what we've seen this year. And for better or worse, John Bell is that odd man out. And I, it will be interesting to see where he lands because we we know the quality when he was with New England. We know the the passionate fan base that followed him at New England. So I'll be interested to see where he lands. And hopefully he's able to crack through an MLS roster in the years to come. Who's next? Michael Creek is next. So Michael Creek was signed at the beginning of the year to be the third keeper. There was no question about his spot on the depth chart. It was Berkey, Ben Lunt, Michael Creek. Creek was signed from City 2. He was the starting goalkeeper for City 2 in 2022 for 13 matches. He had three clean sheets, 29 saves last year in 22 for City 2. He was always going to be the third keeper, like I said, but unfortunately, or fortunately for City, I suppose, Creek didn't see any playing time. Berkey started everything he could. Lunt started the Open Cup. He started Leagues Cup. And, and, and he started the, the one MLS match. So, you know, there wasn't really a space for Creek outside of an injury need, which thankfully City didn't have. So instead, he saw 11 appearances and eight starts for City 2 this year. He recorded 18 saves in the process. And, Santi, to me, this is a case of he's a 25-year-old. He We have a host of goalkeepers chomping at the bit from the academy to City 2. And this is a move that unfortunately for Crete, because he's a really nice guy, mm-hmm. it just made it made sense in what we need to do to continue developing our goalkeeper position, especially looking towards the far future where Roman Berkey's not always going to be wearing a city kit. He's not always going to be in net and we need to continue to develop that pathway to pro that the academy and city to offer. And it sounds like I, I would speculate that that's probably going to start next year.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's what I was saying at the beginning. It would be interesting if maybe an experienced goalkeeper just thinking about Concacaf Champions Cup or um, right right away the team goes in that direction of uh, mm-hmm. developing the goalkeeper of the future, which, which to me makes makes a lot of sense. Um, yep. Yeah, Berkey had a great year, and and I'm I'm sure he still has a a, a few more years of um, where he can perform at a high level, but. At some point, you have to start thinking about the future and Saint Louis uh, being um, basically a, a place where uh, a lot of goalkeepers have developed, and there is so much talent and so many good uh, goalkeeper coaches. It make it makes sense to me to to start that process. Um, it would be I'm looking forward to seeing um, who will be that that third goalkeeper, and if it is a, a young guy, uh, imagine uh, just being around. Roman Berkey and uh, both Lutz and Bradley spoke very highly about uh, Ben Lund and his leadership. So mm-hmm. it'll be great
0: for a for a young guy to develop behind uh, Berkey and Lund. Yeah, and, and later on in the episode, we're going to talk about our depth chart and what we think City who City needs to sign. I think it's fairly it's fairly okay to assume that one of those open roster slots is going to go to a goalkeeper for the third, the third slot. So you look at guys like Christian Oliveras. you look at some of the Academy players, UPSL, like Nick Bishop, and you wonder if one of those players is going to get an opportunity. So keep that kind of thing in mind when you're thinking about the flexibility that we're going to talk about in a bit. And one player who, yes, we, we definitely uh, were excited about him coming into the year, but had their option declined was Max Schneider. The other player along with Creek who had their option declined Max Schneider, you could call him a city player, but even that I think is kind of a stretch. And I'm, I'm doing that with no <laughs> malice. It, it, it was one of the weirder things, because if we talk about circumstance and victims of circumstance, I think Max Schneider is definitely one of the biggest victims of circumstance. He was signed from city two with extremely little pomp and circumstance. I had to go back and make sure that he was actually listed at some point prior to the season starting as being on the roster, just because I was, I thought I was losing my mind at one point. Yeah. And, the only thing that they did is in a in a group together article, they included Max Schneider along with all the other players as having uh, picked up a contract. He wasn't given a unique article. He wasn't given a focus. It was just, oh yeah, we've also signed Max Schneider. And with with City Two and his impact this year, he he took up an international slot for City. He was the only season long official loan to City Two. And he did appear in 27 games, starting 25 of them for City 2. He was basically their, their stalwart in the midfield. He was the guy who was keeping everything together and progressing the ball. He had six assists on the year. He was a very stable position for City 2 with Max Schneider. But whether you look at the, the depth that we had on the first team, the need that we had, I point to the international slot as the biggest impediment to Max Schneider finding time with City. I don't know if it, he was viewed as not ready, but I know that if he would have been on the City roster, he would have taken up an international slot. And we didn't have an open slot for a large portion of the season. So something would have had to have occurred with another team to acquire one. I don't know the nuances to that, but I know that was a factor. And so, unfortunately, he didn't make any appearances just like Michael Creek with City. But he had a couple of years with City 2 for us that was fun to see him play.
1: Yeah, he had uh, two great years uh, with City 2 and... Uh, initially after the end of the season I thought maybe he will be back and get his option picked up probably by the time the season starts he will have a he will have a green card so the international slot won't be an option but um, but yeah he uh, due to uh, not enough um, international slots he couldn't make the team and the other thing um, the other way I say it you also have a like um, Miguel Perez at Miguel Perez at the beginning of the season saw a lot of minutes and he performed wow. well, so um, I think um, that's also part of that decision making. Uh, the club um, decides, okay, we're going to continue developing Miguel Perez, and um, maybe one of those uh, roster slots that will open up could be another central midfielder. Just thinking about a lot of, about the amount uh, of games that the team will, will play next
0: year. It's easy to see a, a need for depth there. One of the central midfielders who was never intended to play central midfielder for City is Owen O'Malley, played central midfield for Creighton. <laughs> and he's our last one that we're going to talk about. Um, yeah, you, you talk about circumstances in some of these players. I don't know how to describe Owen O'Malley's time with City. I, I really don't because... He was drafted ninth overall in the Super Draft. He was City's Generation Adidas signing out of Creighton, only GA signing that we had. Owen O'Malley never saw the field for City, and he only appeared in 14 City 2 matches, starting seven of them, playing right back. That's where we had him slotted in as developing and and being the future right back for City. That was the thought. He He was that GA pick, so he went early. City famously said that they traded away the first overall pick and they, Owen O'Malley would have been their first pick regardless. Mm-hmm. How much you want to believe that as far as reality <laughs> or coach speak in backing up your pick? We got right. a lot of game. We got $400,000 a game from Charlotte to trade out of the first spot. So if we had no desire to pick anyone but Owen O'Malley, I don't have an issue with it, but it clearly didn't work out. We don't know really overall what went wrong with Owen O'Malley, but we do know that he was suspended at one point, or was it
1: yeah. two points? I think it was twice, but we didn't find out until the second time.
0: Yeah. And so earlier in the season, he had been suspended uh, for violating uh, team rules, I believe it was said. Mm-hmm. And we never really understood or, or got specifics on what that meant. Internal turmoil, suspensions, whatever ended up happening. There were a lot of questions. And and there's always going to be questions, I think, about Ono O'Malley and what could have been, what went wrong. And if it was just he was a victim of, of the, the, the culture, the system, the, there's a way to do things. Everybody else was on board and there's one player who wasn't, it's, it's not unheard of to have individual players uh, just not, whether it's not buying in, not being ready for, for the big show, the big time or whatever it was. It's all speculation. Like we could, we could go on for a while speculating, but at the end of the day, it didn't work out. And our first round super draft pick, the only first round super draft pick that we will have had in our first two years is no longer a member of St. Louis city.
1: Do you think, um, do you think that's one of the reasons why, why the club, um, ended up like, let me, let me rephrase. So, so the club traded that, that first pick in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it has something to do with the way things develop with, with Owen O'Malley?
0: I, I don't think it was the reason that they traded away the pick, but I think it was just fuel to the fire in uh, not valuing the first mm-hmm. first round pick or, or really many picks if at all. So John, they only, they only they spent they used two of their three picks last year. The first was Owen O'Malley, the second was John Klein and they traded away the third pick. So mm-hmm. we saw early a lack of valuing the super draft and and giving an opportunity to the local player in John Klein as your second round pick what we're seeing now i think is just a continuation of that and so there probably was something to seeing how the first seeing how the super draft pick worked out and saying okay we already weren't valuing this that much mm-hmm. we trust our we trust our academy we trust our path to pro that we have from the academy to our two team to city this is just another example that makes us lean harder into not valuing it that much that that's probably the best way i could think about his impact to the overall thought process
1: yeah but but we we wish him well um i remember talking to him uh, at the beginning of the season A uh, very nice guy but uh but yeah when i talked to him i got that vibe like he had he mentioned yeah it's been it's been uh like an up and down journey to get here so who knows what's what's going on with him but uh, i wish him well
0: yeah we wish well. We wish all five of them well. Everybody has their own unique place in city history. They're always going to be St. Louisans to some extent. We're always going to to know that they wore the crest, whether it's City, City Two, and they were a part of this history. So their their names are always going to be in the back of our minds when we think about this inaugural year. But where does this leave the city roster going forward, and what can we look forward to? in the next few weeks as part of the offseason. So rosters are still locked until December 11th. After MLS Cup and MLS Cup final, rosters will unlock and then we'll have all those uh, calendar events that we talked about last week. For now, we know that St. Louis City has 27 total players under contract for 2024. Two goalkeepers, seven defenders, 12 midfielders, four forwards, and two of them are on loan. Selmer Pedro and Isak Jensen's loans Go until June twenty twenty four, so they go until the end of the seasons for their their respective clubs. I am nearly positive for that. Pedro is the only one I am not entirely sure, but I know Jensen's goes for the duration of the season. So St. Louis starts this upcoming year right now with twenty five players occupying roster slots because when you send a player on loan, you can backfill their roster slot even though you are given no salary relief. So we have t- we have five open roster slots. We have two dps on the roster we have eight international players because you can't count pedro and jensen they don't they don't take up roster slots or international slots we have cap flexibility we have a dp slot available we have u22 slots available and like i said we have five slots to fill so whether we look to fill all five whether we look to fill three it it, that's the question and so when we look at what we need to fill we kind of alluded to it earlier santi in my there are a few spaces that you can really peg. We could use some help with depth because we do have an extra competition this year in Concacaf Champions Cup. We have only two goalkeepers under contract right now, so you could say one slot might go to a goalkeeper. We have turmoil still in our minds, at least in the fans' minds, at left back. That's an easy <laughs> slot, right? We yeah. have we mentioned central midfield. So when you look at the the depth chart as it stands now, knowing that we have so much stability and familiarity existing and really every single starter is returning yeah. where do you see where do you see some needs for city well it's more it's more that depth depth piece uh,
1: and just thinking about the competitions and you start the season earlier than than last year with Concacaf champions cup and and um yeah uh, you you you, you never wish for um, anybody to to get injured, but it's part of it's part of the season. It's part of, of um, what happens with the team. So uh, it'll be good to to have some depth and uh, some ways to uh, rotate the lineup uh, because you will have to to start rotating early because you have Concacaf Champions Cup and then a few weeks later you start the season and if you advance to the second round of Concacaf Champions Cup, that's another set of games. Um, so yeah, I think the the, the ones we have already talked about, left back, and um, center midfielder. Um, I'm not sure if uh, either another striker or maybe another offensive midfielder, but um, there are uh, five spots. Uh, the question is, do they go and take care of the five, knowing that in June when the loans for Pedro and Jensen expire, they're going to have to figure out what to do with them or maybe just do something more conservative like um, what they did uh, last year that they didn't occupy the 30 roster slots uh, at the beginning of the season and keep something uh, for mid year for when the transfer window opens. Uh, But yeah, I think the usual positions that we have been discussing will be the ones that will get filled.
0: I honestly would be shocked if we signed five players between now and the start of the season. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't fit the few things that we heard Lutz talk about last year, dating back to this time last year when he talked about keeping flexibility open. He he yeah. acquired more international slots than we used, so he would have one available for the season that he spent on Nufi Thorson. When when you look at the the fact that we have three legitimate open roster slots along with those two that are on loan. I do look for a goalkeeper potentially. I look for a left back and, and center mid. Those are my three, I guess, mm-hmm. priorities. Goalkeeper is not really a priority, but you know, I think there's an opportunity for one of the Academy or, or maybe Oliveras to step up and I think get a city contract. Um, the only alternative would be you run with two goalkeepers and then you bring up a short-term loan if you need to for for Olivares at city two uh there are mechanisms so if you need him in a pinch for us open cup or something you can bring him up without occupying a slot so that's an avenue for goalkeeper i would like to see that used because i think it would keep an, uh, a roster slot from being used on a third keeper that just kind of it's not michael creek that went to waste but that roster slot went to waste because it was never used and never really needed you can always bring him up if you keep an open roster slot just in case with an eye towards the summer transfer window but if you need to you can fill it it's that kind of thing but so can you only have two is
1: for some reason i thought it was a the short-term loans no two um two goalkeepers on the roster is is that an option to only have two
0: it, i think it's an option there was a i want to say leagues cup had a rule Where you had to have three keepers
1: uh that's that's probably what i'm thinking about
0: yeah there was a rule at one point that you had to roster three keepers but i do think there was uh we had like a 40-man roster basically for that remember we had johnny klein was listed that was a little wild of a a situation but if we if we look at the biggest needs left back and center mid are mine uh left back because you're looking at two options with the people you have on your roster right now you're looking at kyle hebert remaining your starting left back which is something that I think would concern right now. Like you would have to tell Kyle, we want you to be our starting left back. So he can work on developing himself in the off season further towards that position. Otherwise it's Anthony Markanik who Lutz was honest about bringing him in as a backup and saying he surprised us. He earned his spot. And so you're saying if Markannik is if you're comfortable with Markanic as your starting left back, you've seen enough over the past uh, back half of the season and in the off season to be comfortable with him as your starting left back. There's a lot of assumptions that and trust that putting in the club that they've seen what they need to see out of those two players to be successful. If you're not going to sign another one, personally, I would like to see a high caliber player who can both be a left wing back as well as a left back, uh, not unlike Akil Watts, but higher of a caliber, right? So, so more seasoned and I think more experience, more, more experience, yes. Took the words right out of my mouth. Center mid is a position that I think is, it's going to depend on how comfortable you are with Miguel Perez and Tyson Pierce. Because right now, looking at depth charts, you can say Indiana Vasilev is is a player you can slot in there. You can say Akil Watts is a player you can slot in there. But really, it's Leuven, it's Blome, and it's Miguel Perez. Tyson Pierce, just starting, if he follows the same mold as Caden Glover or you know a non-injury related Miguel Perez you're going to give Tyson Pierce time with City too you're going to let him develop a little more slowly hopefully not having to pull him in like you did Miguel Perez that's why I want to see another central defense central defensive midfielder I think there's an opportunity early in the season even if Leuven and Blom are healthy you're going to need to spell them they cannot play every match for competitions. it's not going to work we saw Blom have issues with heat we saw a lot of Leuven tiring or being played differently at the end of the season that's not sustainable to have that group i think as the the central midfielder so that's a that's a need and something that i think has to has to occur so those two positions that's two of the three to me and then i look elsewhere looking at kind of our depth chart in attacking mid and i see depth but do you that's a that's an area a, attacking mid and uh right back even is is a couple of areas to me where you have opportunities to just improve on who's here. You sign somebody if they're going to take somebody's spot. You don't sign somebody to be depth in these areas to me because you have bodies that can, yeah. that you're comfortable with. You've extended and offered contracts or options to some of these players. You're comfortable with who you have in these roles. You sign somebody as an attacking mid, and maybe even striker, in a right back if they're going to take somebody's spot, if you expect to slot them in to start. That's my opinion anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, in terms of depth, um, yeah, I think uh, mo- most of, like, with the guys the team has, um, there is enough. Uh, so I agree with you. If you're going to bring somebody at um, striker or, or offensive mid, yeah, it has to be somebody with experience or could also be uh, somebody somebody young um, to use one of those U22 uh slots uh when when you were talking about center mid uh with tyson pierce uh Mm -hmm. been there as part of the equation i see him and you mentioned him getting time with cd2 but um i see him more as basically what max snyder was last year maybe he will be the cd2 uh loani and and then uh you will you will open another roster slot and and yeah, bring a, an experienced um, midfielder uh, that can uh, rotate with Leuven and, and Blum and with Perez. Um, uh, I think it's important to, to have a, another um, piece with, with experience at that position.
0: There's a quote or, or a comment in the chat from FatBug24 talking about Newfie Thorsen. And I showed this on our stream because this is the thought that a lot of people in the fan base have. It's do you think Thorson is a borderline bust or was he signed with 2024 in mind And the last couple of months have been purely for adjustment a la first team guy signing with us in 2022. And I am 100 percent the latter. I I fully believe that Thorson, his time with City in 2023 was a preseason of sorts. Lutz said exactly as much at the end of season press conference when I asked him about the transfer window and what his thoughts and feelings were going forward. And he mentioned that's when he mentioned Markanic being signed as a, 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 as depth. And he mentioned Thorson as, as exactly what happened with Berkey, Klaus, Leuven, Ostrock and the group in 2022, bringing him in, getting him some time acclimated to the culture, the system, the living here, and then ready to go in 2024. So almost as if he's a new signing in, in and of itself. And that's another reason why I don't necessarily see a need to fill an attacking mid uh, or striker position forward because Thorson is so versatile. Like we saw him play on the right side a little bit. We know he has a lot of experience on the left and he can be the second striker type of a player. But if you're looking at, especially how we ended the season up front, you're looking at Thorson as a much more viable option in 2024. You hope that Rasmus Alm comes back healthy. You have a full, a fully healthy Klaus, like all these pieces that you're kind of piecemealing together throughout the season you want them to be rested you want them to be ready to go these these are frontline guys who are game changers and that's that's one of the reasons why you can look to players like jared stroud to salio pompeu even nico joachini same as depth to those guys they can step up they can make second half uh, meaningful subs like we saw carnell be very adept at doing they can start during open cup during champions cup if you need to but th- those guys, along with the frontline starters of Thorson potentially, Alm, Klaus, and and whoever takes the role of the number 10, I think that that's where you have your nucleus of attackers. And then the depth that we brought back is enough to handle the, the myriad of competitions. That we had yeah all chris Gebhardt in the chat says alm is so important he was a big miss at the end of the year could not agree more rasmus alm yeah. is a game changer we talked about his impact throughout the season along with jabula in the record that city had when they appeared night and day without them they are so incredibly key and it's it's not that i'm not going to use the cardinals euphemism of they're like new signings even though i think i did with thorson but that's kind of how it, it, it will be a full season of those players markedly different than what we saw without them in 2023. But the, like you said, you know, we don't need to beat a dead horse, but left back center mid and, and I've heard right back uh, people comment about right back where you have Jake Norwinski, you have Akil Watts and I get the, that's a right back. a perfect example of if you can find a player on the market, whether it's through free agency, through the waiver draft re-entry, through an international spot. If you can find a right back that is head and shoulders above what we currently have. Sure. Go for it. Sign it. I'm always all for improving certain positions and getting better players at each one of our positions. But if you're, if you're just going to sign a guy for depth to compete against those two, I don't really see the full value in that.
1: Yeah. And it might as well be one of those you run with, with a Watts and Jay Narwinski at the beginning of the season. And maybe, uh, when the summer transfer window opens, if you see that that there is still a need there and they are not giving the team uh, what what you expected, uh, maybe then you can go and, and find a uh, a right back that can fight with that can compete for that job or take the job right away. But but yeah, as you said, it needs to be uh, somebody who uh, will make impact right away. In either case, at the end of the season or mid-season.
0: I think the last thought i have on what we can look forward to and what we need to look for for signings is how much our homegrowns are going to be forecasted to see playing time in 2024 is going to directly inform some of the moves we make center mid we talked about tyson pierce being under contract now a second season for miguel perez caden glover is our fourth striker and so there's there's depth there how much time he's going to see the moves we make or the lack thereof needs to keep in mind the fact that we do have these homegrowns who didn't see really any time down the stretch for city. Perez only played the beginning of the season as much as he did because of injuries and and Jaboulu Blom and things like that. So we needed we needed him at certain points in the season, and he was able to he had an injury at the end of the season and he was able to recover and get back. And you you want to keep in mind those three homegrowns when you think of the moves that we're making or that we won't make, and you can kind of read the tea leaves of what Lutz and Bradley Carnell have in mind for them based on that. But it all comes down to December 11th is when really everything starts to open after MLS Cup. Sansi, we've got a couple of weeks of this being everything to mull over and think about anything else you want to get out there.
1: No, no. Uh, and December eleventh comes and then uh, we're going to continue getting some news because we'll probably start hearing about, uh, rumors about possible signings or maybe announcements about signings. And then December 13, uh, we also get, uh, the, 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 CONCACAF championship, uh, right. um, opponent and schedule. And then, uh, when does the MLS schedule usually release? So around that
0: same time, right? Probably Typically a little bit after year? December 20th, I believe was last okay. year when it was released. So yeah. We'll, we'll see what, we'll see what that is. Um, yeah. So we've got a couple weeks of really no activity minus some rumors we might get, but the thing to keep in mind is after these moves, after the decisions made for some of the players, we have 27 total players in a contract. There are 30 roster slots in MLS. Two of our players are on loan. We are capable of signing up to five players. Realistically, my money is on we'll sign at most three. And that's assuming we fill all 30 of our roster slots with the two on loan Keep that in mind that we are bringing back a massive majority of our team. This is, it's not just the core nucleus of yeah. our DPs and our, our biggest contributors. We're bringing back basically our entire team with just a few open roster slots. It's massively different thought process than where we were this time last year. So I, I look to growth, stability, and familiarity as the things that will drive us going from 23 to 24 and not trying to reinvent the wheel, not trying to bring in all of these massive game changers and and really throwing too much into chaos it's it's going to be growth development on the backs of stability and familiarity for me
1: yeah one wild card uh could be what happens uh with a transfer for uh sam or ac jackson Uh, i think that that could be a wild card because um you will need to uh to basically two players that had impact uh the second half of the season so if one of them were to leave um, either during the winter window or the summer window, um, that's another roster slot that will get released and another position that the team will need to replace. But I, I guess we won't worry about that for now. But that's just a
0: wild card. I wanted to call that out. It is. It's a good thing to call out because, especially with AZ Jackson and the interest that he's garnered, the fact that we exercise the option for both of those players means that this is their last year with City unless one of two things happen, a new con- well, unless a new contract is extended to them and they sign one or, or they're sold. You know, those are the two things that I, I think are uh, the best outcomes for City, the organization, and for the players from our perspective is either we, we get news at some point of a new contract for them or we sell them because the alternative is we let them go on freeze at the end mm, of their deals no. both of the players we know are too talented for that that would be a massive missed opportunity for city it will. yeah so that would be disappointing so key, that's another thing to keep in mind throughout this whole process and could drive the need to replace one or both of them in this long-term planning so mm-hmm. a number 10 a striker those are other options and, and when, if and when we see those kinds of things happen you can start to piece together this along with the other things we've talked about
1: yeah so yeah now we we wait for news and um we we're gonna have another episode at some point before christmas right that's that's the plan i'm think? sure
0: yeah we, we definitely will because that that week of december 11th when things start happening plenty to talk about between the Concacaf champions cup we'll be able to Get some meaningful previewing going on for that. There'll likely be at least rumors to talk about. So we're guaranteed to do at least one more episode before Christmas. I promise you that. (laughs) Um, And more to come if, if more news breaks. You know, we'll get together as soon as we can, just like we are now. Santi, thanks for getting together so quick to talk about this breakdown of our roster decisions for St. Louis City. It's been fun talking with you about it. And hope you enjoy the holidays for until the next time we talk and thank you to everybody for listening. Really appreciate you joining us as always. I've loved seeing the uh, Spotify wrapped stuff. I, like you saw that yeah. where all the top city podcasts and people are, are showing that it's, it's an honor and it's, it's humbling. That's really cool. yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. So keep those coming. I love seeing them. Super fun. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Matt Baker, Santiago Beltran. We're Flyover Footy. We'll talk to you later. Vamos, Siri.